everyone and welcome back to Building Better Basketball, the Basketball Australia Coaches Podcast. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach Development Manager at Basketball Australia. Today's guest is Mel Downer. Mel's currently the High Performance Manager at South Australia Basketball Country and the Assistant Coach for the New Zealand Women's National Team. She's an extensive coaching experience in Australia and abroad, including stints as the Women's Head Coach at the Canterbury Wildcats and the Women's Head Coach at the Australian Centre of Excellence. Mel, thanks so much for giving up your time today to join us, and I'm really looking forward to this chat. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. This is actually um, my first podcast, so I'm I'm intrigued to see how it all goes. Well, we'll take it easy if we can. Your journey's Be gentle gone with me. <laughs> your journey's gone the inverse of many traditional coaching pathways, I guess, Mel, where you started at the COE after your playing career, and then have moved out into what we would probably describe as the community basketball space with Basketball Queensland in New Zealand and now South Australia country. Can you tell us a little bit about your coaching journey in basketball and how that's shaped your philosophy and style? Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting one. Um, I coached all while I was still playing. It was something that I kind of did on the side. Um, I was really lucky that I had uh, some coaches in my uh, junior career who really uh, embraced um, athletes in their coaching um, so I got into it quite early uh, and when I finished playing I ramped up the coaching on the side um, I worked a normal nine-to-five job um, and it was something I was really passionate about um, and I swore black and blue that I would never uh, get into the coaching profession and never coach professionally um, so my husband, Nick, is also a professional coach and I'd witnessed him uh, in some jobs, work some really long hours and uh, for some really low pay and uh, I was never going to do that and uh, I enjoyed coaching for what it was and as a passion but um, it was always just going to be that for me and, yeah, and then I was really lucky enough through some state coaching opportunities that I had um, to build a relationship with Brendan Joyce, who was working for Basketball Queensland at the time. Uh, and then he moved on to being the Australian Opals coach. And when an assistant coach spot became available at the Centre of Excellence, based on that pre-existing relationship, he, um, he reached out via Facebook Messenger of all things. Uh, and I thought it was, I thought it was a scam at first and, picked up the phone and gave him a call and no, he was deadly serious. And um, yeah, that's how that all came about. And I spoke to Mick about it and he was like, well, you can't not take it. Like it's the center of excellence. And um, yeah, I, I kind of was really lucky in that regard that um, I'd had that pre-existing relationship with Chalk and that he um, had had that faith in, in my ability to be able to come in and, and do that. And it was one of the greatest times of my life, um, one of the best jobs um, that I've ever had. Uh, and I was just so thankful then uh, moving on from that when when Paul Goris Goz got the, the call up to the Canberra Capitals um, to be their head coach that, again, showed faith in me to... Uh, be the associate head coach for the remainder of my contract, uh, which was eye-opening and a massive, massive steep learning curve, but one environment to learn in, you know, um, around so many professional athletes and 
um, the best service providers in the country that you could ask for and uh, the men's program in, in Adam Caporn, getting to learn um, from them and Andre Lamanis, and the, the Boomers head coach at the time, as well as get on the floor with the Opals. And yeah, I was kind of hooked after that. Um, uh, you know, it was a bit of a false economy. You know, you think all jobs are going to be like that. But uh, um, once once I was in, there was no way I was getting back out. And uh, so my contract came up uh, at the Centre of Excellence and um, I had the option to stay on or, or move back to Brisbane. I was presented with an opportunity through Basketball Queensland um, to, to work for them in the state performance manager role. And uh, Mick had just been appointed to the Brisbane Bullets, so it just made sense for us as a family with a, with a young daughter to be in the same state, in the same city, and be able to both work in basketball. Um, so that's how that all came about. And I haven't looked back. Um, you know, I can't even tell you how long ago that was now, but um, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Um, I'm, I'm definitely uh, a lifer in terms of working in basketball now and uh, it's what I enjoy and I've just been really lucky um, to have some amazing opportunities uh, come my way um, to learn from some unreal people and coaches and players and uh, hopefully I can continue that for many years to come. Um, so but yeah, that's the, where it started. We'll, we'll jump ahead a little bit and, and leave Queensland. So going from the centre of excellence, with, like you said, the elite athletes, the top of the range equipment and everything kind of leading the, the way for Basketball Australia. And then you, you go to New Zealand and as someone that spent some uh, a lot of my life in New Zealand, I know that basketball is is loved there, but it it probably doesn't um, even scratch their top three sports and and participation. And um, in many sports, there's a real intense rivalry between Australia and New Zealand, but basketball hasn't reached that level yet. So to go from uh, the basketball Australia style of play and all the bells and whistles that you had in, in Australia as well, even in Queensland, I'm sure. What were some of the things that, that you, I guess, had to change about your coaching uh, when you got to New Zealand? I guess best develop their athletes and also continue to develop yourself as a coach. In terms of how I had to change, I think uh, when you approach any new job and in particular when you go internationally and, and change countries and um, is to always, you know, go in with um, a really open mind. I knew that I was going in there um, as a foreigner and as, um, you know, I was the, the, the anomaly, I suppose. Um, so I really had to take time to uh, learn the landscape and who the people were and what the people were about um, you know, cause that's what coaching is all about being able to positively influence people. And, um, if I was going to be able to have a positive impact on people, I really had to focus on building really solid and sound relationships that were based on, um, you know, being who I was and being authentic and genuine. And then I could get to the coaching bit. Um, that makes the coaching bit a lot, a lot easier. Um, so really stepping back, um, 
from leading a little bit, I suppose, which is not natural for me. I, I like to naturally lead um, and uh, build those relationships and really learn the landscape was was key um, to being successful. And, you know, I like to think I did a reasonable job um, of that and we made some really great strides in the national program while, whilst um, we were there. Um, and in terms of style of play, uh, again, just really understanding the level that the type of person that you're dealing with um, and for New Zealand, that's understanding Māori and Pacifica culture and, and the differences culturally, but uh, as well as uh, physically um, define uh, what the style of play is rather than trying to come in uh, and implement a style of play based on my experiences in Australia wasn't going to work. So, um, you know, really spending time with coaches and players and, and understanding what it meant to be a, a Kiwi um, in terms of um, the athletes and the coaches on the ground and then formulating um, a style of play uh, that was conducive to success on the international stage based on their strengths that they had, um, that they have um, as a nation. Uh, and some of those differences, you know, are physically, um, you know, Kiwis aren't as long and lean and tall as Australians. They're a lot stockier and stronger through the hips and lower body. Um, so how do you create a style of play that really emphasises that as a strength uh, and uses that to their advantage um, was a real cool challenge uh, and a stretch for me and something that I really uh, enjoyed doing. And it's obviously something that, um, you know, living in Australia, I, I potentially wouldn't have had the opportunity to do. Uh, you know, our style of play here is is really entrenched and ingrained and, um, you know, it's been around for 30 years and if not more and every, everyone knows what it is and the types of athletes um, that are required for that so it was really cool to be on the other end designing that um, from the ground up um, you know something that I really enjoy doing. With your individual philosophy I guess your coaching philosophy would you is it safe to say you probably been really conscious of continuously reviewing how what your coaching philosophy is not only in terms of what you're coaching but how you coach as well because you've gone from the elite to a, a state level to a, a country that's um you're as you said yourself like foreign to not only the the country but the, the basketball culture back to another state in Australia where you're, you're not from as well. So you've kind of um, a foreigner within your own country as well, learning the new people, players, teams, basketball philosophy of, of South Australia as well. So is your coaching philosophy something that you're continuously reviewing? Yeah, absolutely. And in a lot of ways, um, being in New Zealand crystallised a lot of my thoughts and a lot of the opportunities uh, that I had allowed me to really uh, you know, hone into what my philosophy, what I thought my philosophy was and, and crystallised a lot of my ideas and thinking. Um, but it also um, 
consolidated a lot of my original or initial philosophy as well. So lots of learning, um, continual and, you know, a philosophy is not something that's set in stone and it's evolving and ever changing depending on um, your circumstances and your level of experience. And, um, you know, it, the more you learn, the more you change and grow. And so does your philosophy, but yeah, New Zealand um, and my experiences over there really uh, helped me crystallize and consolidate my philosophy for sure. Uh, in terms of um, how I personally view the game, um, just based on uh, a lot of the experiences that I uh, had over there. You've mentioned your husband and your daughter, uh a couple of times and I have had the pleasure of, of meeting your daughter who's a lovely confident young lady um, <laughs> I'm curious a couple of questions what our basketball knowledge is like and as you said your husband's a professional coach as well so how does that work-life balance go between being able to kind of with both of you working in the sport leave it at the at stadium at the at the office at the court to to go home and is it a basketball-free environment or how does that go? Uh, look, I think it's not certainly not basketball-free, but I think we're both conscious of the fact that it's also our work environment. So, um, you know, bringing that home, uh, you know, sometimes it's just not conducive to family life. But, yeah, there's definite discussions that go on. It's more so from around how can we support each other around the current issues that we've got in our jobs or you know difficult situations that we're facing or whatever so it's more from that aspect than uh sitting at the table going through x's and o's <laughs> uh perspective um yeah i mean evie that's our daughter uh tends to make sure we don't do a lot of work chat as well she's uh <laughs> she's an only child and as you mentioned is very confident which is what a diplomatic way of putting it um but she can be very demanding on our time so which is a nice distraction and provides us with that um you know must needed perspective um you know away from the basketball court that and and a break you know she's she's a welcome break just being able to go home and and spend time as a family away from the court is also uh, really cool as well but uh, in terms of what Evie knows, you know, she only just played her first structured basketball games last year. Uh, and if you'd asked me beforehand how she was going to go, I would have said terrible because she spends most of the time, you know, that we're at basketball running around with other kids and not paying much attention, what I thought, not paying much attention or showing more interest in the cheerleaders than anything else. But um yeah, she, she apparently um, shows more interest than what I thought she did because she's, she's far more advanced than what I thought she would be, that's for sure. And uh, funnily enough, she, she does take an interest in the games and, um, you know, any of mixed players can attest to her brutal feedback post-game. <laughs> um, she's not backwards in coming forwards with what she thought went wrong. Um and yeah, well, I, I distinctly remember watching a game um, last year and um, Evie asked me to stop the game and rewind it and, and to see, to explain to her what had happened. And it was, um, 
Jack Salt, who's a who's a centre, had run the middle lane in transition, sealed his man on the ring, uh, and allowed the point guard to be able to um, have a layup because he seal screened his player in the paint. And Evie asked me about what Jack was doing and why did he do that and. Lo and behold, next game, she seal screens her player and gets her teammate an open layup and just blew my mind. <laughs> she clearly pays more attention than uh, what I thought she did, that's for sure. So I've got to be uh, a little bit more careful, I suppose, around <laughs> what I say in, in front of her. That's a really good segue into this next question I had. So we have a mutual friend in, in Jay who who's just finished up working with South Australia Country. And she credited you in a conversation that we had because I always compliment her when she was in her role as the, the coach development coordinator at South Australia Country. She always pushed back on me at Basketball Australia with really good questions, not because she didn't want to, um, didn't agree with me, but more to, to challenge my thinking. And she actually credited you with um, that being something that you taught her. Um, how to ask really good questions. So as you're working with developing coaches in your role at, at South Australia, what are some of the most important things that you, I guess, share with them to help their development and become better coaches? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the level of coach that I'm dealing with, but um, you know, I actually credit the questioning um, to Leonard King, uh, who's been an amazing advocate of mine in my career. And I have, um, you know, to thank him for a lot um, of my opportunities that, I, that I've got in my career. So thanks, LK. Um, but yeah, the use of questioning uh, is around how can I understand other people's perspectives uh, and understand their thinking uh, in a way um, that's conducive to them learning um, and rather than me just um, giving them my opinion on something and, and not finding out their point of view and their perspective. So having more of a curious mind has been um, a bit of a, a leadership learning for me and um, in these roles that, that I'm in and that I've, that I've been lucky to do in with the COE and BQ and BBNZ and now SA Country is uh, I'm, I'm having to be more of a leader than a, rather than a coach. Um, so teaching coaches, um, I suppose, through role modelling, um, what it means to be a leader and what those coach leadership uh, attributes are. And you know, we're really lucky in our modern world that um, we've got such great access to all the technical and tactical information that we could possibly want with the invention of YouTube and Barstraw and Huddle and Sports Code and you name it, all the videos out there um, and, and the coach education forums. We want anything around the technical, tactical aspect of the sport. It's at our fingertips, but there's not a lot of information out there or readily available information on the art of coaching or, or coach leadership as I like to call it. Um, which are the, you know, the other, the off-court aspects of coaching. So the people management, um, you know, programming, season planning, um, you know, dealing with conflict and adversity and, and uh, the use of questioning is part of that and understanding 
diff different people's perspectives on things to gain a, um, a better understanding um, with a the view that you're being curious to try and learn and, and who knows what you learn out of it. And um, that's probably the biggest thing um, that I try and impart onto my high performance coaches the most and uh, how can we help them be a, an all-round holistic coach that's not just great with the technical tactical aspect but they're great program leaders or coach leaders as well um so yeah what it means to be a really good coach overall holistically yeah i think that's that's we do the learning together sessions for anyone that's completed the aussie hoops or a community coaching course that, that i help facilitate and we had one last night where we had 20 plus coaches in attendance and when we got to the end of the hour one of the coaches actually said it's i wasn't expecting it to be like this we spent 45 minutes basically talking about coaching there was no we didn't go into like the x's and o's of, of anything there was a little bit of talk about skill development and things like that but so much of the time was spent around communicating with athletes dealing with parents uh discussions around how we actually help the athletes get better and what our purpose as coaches is so I think that's as you said that's the same for coaches that are working in high performance right down to community now yeah, Jay, also, absolutely. Jay also said that you had a trigger word that I should uh, use to just really start you off on what if I needed to stretch the podcast out so do you do you have any idea what your trigger word would be Mel? Oh gosh, no, that could be one of many things, unfortunately. <laughs> so last week we had an episode with a sports psychologist and um, part of one of our discussions was talking about players and balance and burnout and um, I believe that the word would be load management that would uh, get you started. So uh, I, Yeah, I'm pretty vocal about load management, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I understand from Jay that you've implemented some ways to better manage athlete load since you started in, in South Australia country. I guess two questions, what, what is it that I guess makes you so vocal about it and what was your motivation for implementing these, um, these uh, techniques? Yeah, I think um, just really understanding that the current world that we're in, um, and you know, the landscape that we're faced with athletes and you know, kids in particular have so many different options to play or, and not just basketball. Um, there are so many different things to do now. Um, and even just within basketball, there's so many academies and kids have skill trainers and there's so many, you know, there's club, there's district, there's rep, there's state level, there's national, there's so many different forms of the game that they can play which is unreal like how lucky are we to have so much choice uh, but with that uh, comes um, you know what we understand load management so just really understanding you know taking a really broad view of the landscape of whilst I work in one stream of of the landscape which is the basketball Australia pathway the SA country program leads into the basketball Australia pathway that that is that's one stream of the game and you know our athletes uh, have their feet in other streams of the game of two you know in the of the game as well you know rightly or wrongly um and 
if we want them to be, you know, happy, well-rounded athletes, then me saying to them that they can't do things isn't the way to go, but trying to find a way where they can have some balance um, and enjoy the things that they want to enjoy that whilst also being in alignment with their goals is really important. So what I mean by that is in particular with our high performance athletes and our ones that are on the national radar, perhaps they're still kids, they're still children. I'm dealing with you know, 15, 16 year old kids here. To tell a 15 or 16 year old kid that they can't play in a school game with all their friends that they've gone to school with for you know two, three, four, five years is really difficult to do uh, and they also want to have fun at some stage too but how can we find a way where they can play at the the school championships whilst also um, you know doing the required training that's at level for them to be able to become a national level player as well um, is really important but um, I think also personally for me um the biggest change to my coaching was having my child um and she gave me some much needed perspective that there is life outside of basketball um and made me understand that the level that i was expecting of my athletes that i was coaching at the time perhaps didn't meet their expectations and in terms of they didn't want to get to the level that I wanted them to get to. And that was okay. But their perspective was they wanted to play the game at a decent enough level, but also have some fun with it. And perhaps I was coaching at a level that was higher than that. And we didn't meet in the middle. Um, so the, the minute that I got that perspective around, I need to understand the needs and wants of my athletes whilst also trying to help them attain their goals and meet them in the middle um, really shaped, started to shape um, my views as a coach and in particular on load management. You did really well there, Mel, to, uh, <laughs> to I could hold see it together. Your, your brain was, was going a million miles an hour. <laughs> how, how can I get everything out? <laughs> um, It's a so. massive topic and that could be a segment on its own, but at the end of the day, I just keep in the forefront of my mind that I'm coaching young adults um who are still for all intents and purposes uh children that want to have fun as well as learn to be an elite athlete so how can i help them transition i suppose whilst allowing them to still be children yeah i think i used this example in the last podcast as well i was really lucky to um be have a chance to listen to Dirk Nowitzki when he was in Melbourne as well and he talked about how when he was growing up he had the three streams in his sporting life he had his handball he had his tennis and he had his basketball and eventually three was too many but he didn't just go to he didn't just go to one and and put all his chips in with basketball he kept tennis because he needed that for him, that was his individual sport. That was his fun sport that he enjoyed. He needed that away from the game to to have some physical activity that was his own as well. So um, if it didn't harm someone like him, I think there's, and there's plenty of other examples of, as you talked yeah, about, all the elite athletes in New Zealand, 
combined two sports to a very high level and then all the ones in Australia. The last question, the one that we ask everyone that comes on the podcast, if you could ask any coach in any sport and they can be alive or dead uh, question, who would the coach be and what would the question be? Well, one of my coach idols that I look up to and uh, you know, hope to emulate in terms of career um, and, and type of person that she is. Um, you know, she's a she's a stealing breaker, and and I really appreciate um, you know how she approaches a career in basketball and what she's been able to do as Becky Hammond. Um, and I love the fact that she has transitioned from. Uh, a player into at the highest of highest levels into an elite coach. Uh, and then she went the opposite to how many female coaches go in terms of started with men um, professionally in the NBA, the San Antonio Spurs, and then moved to, over to women with the uh, Las Vegas team. I'd really love to ask her how she found that transition from coaching men uh, to coaching women and uh, what the differences were that she found. I, I would love to ask her how she's going to coach a team with four number one draft picks and three MVPs. <laughs> well, and, um, yeah, the recruiting for the WNBA has been insane. Yeah, that's uh, that's Durant-era Golden State on steroids with the, the talent that they've amassed. And I bet you Sandy thought she was doing well with, with New York and then looked over. Yeah, Brianna Stewart, and, yeah. yeah. Mel, thank you so much for giving up your time this afternoon. Anyone that um, wants to see Mel talk about the X's and O's of basketball as well, she is currently our uh, cover coach on the Basketball Australia Coaches website with a presentation that she did at a South Australia coaching seminar. So I encourage you to go and watch that. And in, what, 10 years' time, seeing your daughter run out for the Opals, maybe? <laughs> or a cheerleader, either one. We don't know yet. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mel. Appreciate it. Thanks, Neil.